Hello, players who will kill themselves before they give their DM a shred of satisfaction. And first-time DMs who have no idea what setting they want to play in, so they instead make a setting where you can do all of them. (laughs) Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm Maddie. And I'm Robert. What are we talking about today? Uh, so today uh, is more of a like a goof episode. Um, we prep for the next couple ones, which there's yeah. going to be one that's very exciting coming up with a guest artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to start having guests on, but the next one, hopefully after this, uh, will be yeah, either combat or the guest episode. It just depends on which one happens first. Um, but I want to prep a little bit before I just start making shit up, um, which kind of happened a little bit in the last few and it just makes it difficult. So today we're just going to talk about um, our previous campaign, the the one that myself and Madison have played in, mm-hmm. um, or I guess I DM'd Madison's first like official official campaign going all the way through, uh, yeah. and just kind of shooting the shit about that, talking about kind of where it started, story points, things we liked, things we didn't. Uh, this might be a two part or three, just depends, because there were technically two halves of it that we split yes. between two separate semesters. So there was like. I don't know, like episode one and episode two or like section one, section two. I never like came up with a formal way to like. I just call it volume one and volume two. Yeah, volume one and volume two works, which that that in and of itself is kind of a fun topic. Like how how do you go about participating in a campaign that could potentially go like longer than you have the available commitment to participate in? Like because it's still very much we could pick this up and keep going. Yeah, like we could go back. Like there are enough plot holes, not holes, but like enough plot hooks that we could continue that storyline. Indefinitely. Fuck, what would it it have been? January of 2022? Oh Um, my God. Yeah, because 2021 (laughs) December. That makes me want to vomit. Well, I always remember 2021 December was when I got um, uh, money for a project I had worked on for a very long time. So I always remember that like 2022 in January was when when we went. It's also where I had my 21st. I'm always a year behind whatever year it is. So if it's 2046, I'm 45. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just a, well, ADHD, fun things, or fun ways. No, you always, always find, fun. like, weird, if it's, like, something that's 30 minutes away, it's not actually 30 minutes away. It is, um, like, six, five minutes away. Mm-hmm. No, dead ass. Like, like, I, it's, like, it's five, it's five minutes to the car and 10 minutes down the road away. It's not, it's not 20 minutes. Yeah. It is that got me through dance class as a child because I like I have a very complicated relationship with dance and it would always be me looking at the clock and I'm like okay we don't have 45 minutes left we just have five minutes several times yeah that's what that's what gets me through some of my classes I mean the one class I'm in um, shout out to social problems with platoon I love it but sometimes I just I zone out and so like the only way I can get through it is by like oh look there's only 10 minutes until. 3.30, which means it's only 30 minutes away from 4. So, like, if I could just write out this 10 minutes, I'll be a little closer to getting the fuck out. Yeah. And it's then, very and then well. I just, I Ignore play iTag. Nope. Nice. It was so And loud. then I just play iTag with the, with the clock. But anyways, um, and it's this odd thing about playing D&D, sitting down for a campaign that, like, has the potential to go on for a really long time. Um, and it's the bane of, like, a lot of tables is that people don't have the time or they turn into adults or they suddenly get new jobs and different schedules. And yeah, it's I'll like, say this was the, if this was the perfect setting for us to for a D&D campaign to begin because we were um, studying oh, abroad. Yeah. We were all living in the same building mm-hmm. um, and we didn't have cars like we nope. were we were basically in a boarding school yeah. uh, for several months. Mm-hmm. And we're always in the same place with the same group of people. So, yeah. Um, you didn't like, I didn't have to go through the experience of like trying to wrangle schedules or not until the next, not until the next semester, um, where I had to start letting people like, well, not letting people where I had to start writing people out every other session because they just didn't schedule properly or their lives were too busy. Um, we found out last minute that someone had tickets to a concert or was mm -hmm. leaving town and didn't tell us. Yeah. It's just, it's difficult. I mean, anyone that's played the game or has even attempted to play the game understands that like, it's the hardest part. The bane of starting is the fact that people have lives. Yeah. It's Um, like, just don't, just don't have a life. It's like at minimum, like a two to three hour activity. So like you've got to figure out two to three hours that the same six, I mean, what average size of a table is like Five to six, was, four to I six, would say four to six. Somewhere in four to six. So, like, God forbid, you have six people schedules that you have to line up the same three hours um, yeah. weekly. Because, like, we played for longer than that. We would play like, yeah, no, we played for uh, six, seven hours. Like, because I mean, we yeah. would pick a day during the week where like we weren't traveling, we weren't doing anything, and then we would just write it until I was essentially out of shit to do. Yeah, and then um, it would be like, cool, good night. Yeah, and then I would just be like, well, that's all I can come up with, or this is a suitable cliffhanger, and I don't know what to 
go off of because I haven't done yeah. any writing past this point. So see you next week. There was a TikTok you sent me. It was like when the when the party finds out a plot hook, and then you're like, "Well, we've got to keep going for another yeah. thirty minutes so yeah. I can wrap this up." And that's like a very real thing that happens at D and D tables. Well, you in particular like, are always asking fucking questions, like expecting me to just slip one of these days and give you the answer. Yeah, and like that was the TikTok. It was basically like, <laughs> "There's the player asked the DM." Like, so why was this guy immune to being charmed? And he goes, yeah, he was, because this. Like, and then he, like, dropped it's his like race. like, shapeshifters are oh, immune yeah. to being charmed. Yeah, his answer was shapeshifters are immune to being charmed. And it was, like, a major PC. So then it was like, well, looks like we have another 30 minutes of play to go. <laughs> so I can figure that one out. One of these days I'm going to ask, and you are going to slip up, and I'm going to get answers. Yeah, but it's always it's always fun trying to, like, get your DM to slip up and be like, so, yeah, this is, uh, here's the answer. Oh, well, fuck. I didn't want to yeah. tell you that. Um, which Players do that all the time at our table. Oh, my God. All the time, <laughs> man. All the fucking time. The amount of time. Role playing is difficult, but like also, remember your character. <laughs> like, holy fuck. It happens so many times in our current campaign, which isn't even what this episode was supposed to be about, but no. I feel like I need to share this story because it's so funny, which is one of our characters is playing like a really edgy... Like an edgy guy. Batman light. Batman light character. And he is siblings with another character in the campaign. And none of us are supposed to know that. Yep. And the only reason we do is because, like, we're present at the table when other things are being discussed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he immediately, first session in, goes, Oh, yeah, my brother. And we went, Who? And he went, Oh, yeah, my brother, so and such. And we were like, What? And, like, the character's supposed to be very, like, close to the (laughs) chest and, like, secretive and i mean batman like and he just bless his little heart he didn't get that um just immediately like and then was like oh i'm also rich do you guys want me to like pay your tuition yeah your medical bills and it's it's just a fun he's very much like a dad batman character and that like he doesn't he's a nice a person in real life to a fault and so it's not really in his repertoire to play like a more cold kind of meaner character like he's just nice all the mm-hmm. time and then he's like i'm gonna go torture somebody real quick and we're like wait bu- what yeah here's 20 bucks go get ice cream i'll be back it's so it's a it's a fun like little character thing because he's basically just like dad batman like yeah. fully leaning into the dad side of things but to get back on track um we started when we were studying abroad and the intro like my the intro i was talking about first time dms that don't know what setting to do so they do all of them was exactly what I did. Um, we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, I think in our session zero, where we kind of introduced ourselves and how we started playing together. But um, it basically was just a big group chat for everybody that was there. And then it was like, uh, here are a few random group chats for people that were interested in playing D&D. And then, of course, the question is, like, who wants to be a DM? And I'd played in a campaign before, only one. Um, and so, of course, I was like, yeah, I'll DM. Why not? Um didn't have any experience with it. I had no idea what I was doing. But, I mean, it worked out. It was a lot yeah. of fun. But uh, I finally get a group together. The other group falls apart. And it's just, like, me and four or five other people. I mean, three of them. Two, Yeah, technically three of them I knew beforehand. But there were an additional two. Not that well. Yeah, not that well. Considered. There were an additional two that joined um, that I ended up getting to know pretty well. One I had already knew from university and the other person I had just seen around. But, anyways, five group of people. And so I'm literally just like Googling stuff in my spare time while I'm in the middle of class as I take notes on my laptop and I'm just like settings to play D and D. Of course, like you get like the like the Fey Fey Room places, you get the Fey Wild, you get um, every fucking source book Wizards has put out ever. Yeah, Sword Coast. Um, Sword Coast, of course, huge. Uh, your favorite, which like Carnival. Um, mm-hmm. Fairhaven, which is ended up being a pretty central location. Like, there's just... Unintentionally. If you understand anything about D&D or the wealth of knowledge that exists out there about it, you know that there are a lot of places that you could potentially plan. Oh, yeah. Um, theater of the mind, it's endless. So I was like, fuck it. What if I just, like, had a place where you could go anywhere? Because that would be a cool way to introduce everybody to the game. Um, and it, it actually ended up being exactly that, which is pretty fun. But I ended up stumbling upon this place online called The World Serpent's End, it's, it was mentioned in third edition a, a few times, um, kind of just as like a throwaway location, mm-hmm. um, where like the whole idea was that the room is always filled with smoky blue mist, and like you can never really see from like one end to the other, and there are like beings from all these different planes, and then there's one bartender who's like always there, 
And then there are these doors that lead to like everywhere, but there's never like a way to figure out what door leads to which, uh, with the exception of like this big central set of double doors that opens up routine, like periodically to different locations in different times. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, yeah, why not take all of that on for the first time <laughs> instead of doing Which like- was definitely a choice. Instead of doing like Goblin Hunters in a Dungeon- in Tory Coast, I was like, what if we just did the multiverse for the <laughs> first time? Which worked out, but like looking back, it was crazy a, choice. It was a bold choice on my end. Um, and then, yeah, we just sat down and made the characters. I mean, Madison is always, you've always liked D&D. You've always I've, made characters. I've always like had interest in D&D. I came from, and I've kind of mentioned before, a lot of my background, I make a lot of characters and I make a lot of stories mm-hmm. and universes, um, but I'm not a writer. <laughs> I try to be... <laughs> Uh, so it's a lot of the time these things kind of either sit in my head or I do really embarrassing things with them on TikTok. I am now out um, of necessity. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you've because I need been to be. converted. Yep. Um, but I, I have wanted to play D and D for a really long time, and I had this idea for a character, and it did not end up being that character. I wanted yeah. to make like a jester, mm-hmm. um, like. A little jester character, and yep. that's definitely not who I ended up playing. Um, but it it was really fun, and it was also cool to be given the freedom of like make a character, the setting that you make them in, the time doesn't matter. So irrelevant. So and it was always irrelevant. like very confusing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just gonna make a character, and then can you like give me a location? And he was like, Yeah. You're going to be in this place called Fairhaven. And I was like, cool. So I like looked up the books and I was like yep. plugging some of that stuff in. But I was like, this Fairhaven isn't going to be relevant, right? another very generic like location with a lot of people in it. Yeah. Um, well, because your idea for the character was kind of like steampunky. Um, yeah. And like some of the clothing. And so I was like, cool. Time to Google steampunk locations and yeah. fifth edition. And Fairhaven came up relatively quickly. So you had a cool ass outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Fairhaven came up pretty fast. Um, it's set on a larger world called Eberron. And Eberron is basically just, it's it's just another fantasy universe. And steampunky. There's a lot of war. Yeah, there's a, a lot of war. A of war. A lot of like, there were originally a large war. nation. And then it got broken up into five. And very Airbender-esque in that way. Yeah. Um, but Fairhaven in particular was like the one place that always stayed very technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, used a lot of like steampunky kind of stuff. Magic isn't like the most prevalent. It's more like mechanical kind of stuff. They have airships. They have a royal family. Like all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So I made a high elf um, sorcerer uh, named Magnolia Bonnie. Uh, that was not her real name, but that was like kind of her chosen name that she gave herself. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she uh, was a wild magic sorcerer with a negative two to arcana. <laughs> um and she was not a bard, thank you very much. She was a performer, but stop fucking mistaking her for a bard. And that was probably my favorite character introduction of all time at our tables. Oh, yeah. Um, which fun. was. She burned down a fucking house. Yeah, it was. We had like watched Legally Blonde a couple nights before, and I mentioned that it would be funny because she was like a serial dater um, mm-hmm. for it to open with her like getting dumped or something. So That's it opens exactly with her getting happened. dumped in a tavern and it was like immediately so real. Like I guess that's what like I was initially like, oh, she this is like, like a w- game. Like, like dump me. And I was like, all right, I'll, f- I'll dump you. It was we'll like do it, man. personal shit. It was <laughs> like, it was like your fucking family doesn't love you. Yeah, you're and not you're a like, real magician. Like, yeah, you're like a it was, half-ass jester who flunked out of magic school. Like it was messy. And I was like, <laughs> okay, we're immediately in this bitch. Yeah. And it turns into her like, and it like opens like Legally Blonde of her like getting dumped in a very public tavern. And he's like, people are staring at you. Mm-hmm. And she like throws a wine glass at him and like it's messy. And then she decides, yeah, I'm going to go burn down his house. His family house, by the way, that is also his family um, flower shop. Yeah. And she it's not was like. just like a cottage in the middle of fuck nowhere. It's and, like a legitimate house yeah, that holds. It's people. like downtown. And everyone else's character introductions were like pretty chill. It was like, you're hunting in the woods and you yeah. come across well, a building. And not then it was Everybody wanted like... that fun of an intro. <laughs> Sam was like, I want to be like basically Legolas, but a lot less cool yeah. in the woods, which is a Lord of the Rings reference. Um, he's basically just a fucking guy with a bow and an elf, and he's really good, and he jumps on rocks in midair. Yeah, bow and arrow, whatever. Um, and then you had Rayon, uh, with with Dakota, who was basically just a half-orc. Yeah. Who just liked to hit things. Yeah. Um. And then you had a wizard. A wizard. And a bard. And a bard. 
Um, oh, yeah, we did have a bar, didn't we? Um, but yeah, I decided to, to really have fun with it, and it immediately mm. went off the rails, and it was, what? so you're going to burn debt, you're going to break into the shop and burn yeah. the house down. And he was like, cool, sirens start going off. Yeah. And Police. I was like, oh, fuck, cop. The fire brigade. And immediately <laughs> she just kind of gets like KO'd out of there because mm. a like, magical flower shows up and is like, do you want to leave? And mm. I was like, yes. Um, but I, that character's introduction was very fun. Yeah. So my idea for that going into it was, I was like, if we're going to do the multiverse, uh, let's multiverse it the fuck out, man. Um, so everybody's character intro started in a different, uh, realm or at least different location. Um, uh, fucking Simeon, our bard, um, Shout out, to, shout, out, shout out to David was basically <laughs> in ancient Greece because I didn't really understand that Theros was a location beforehand. So which, now canonically, there's Theros, Theros and ancient, ancient Greece are two separate two locations. entirely separate locations because I I rolled in the real ancient world god Apollo um, from like yeah. Greek mythology. Like it, listen, I definitely crossed some of the wires, but Theros. Uh, well, you didn't plan that we were still going to be playing this game a no, year later. No, I didn't. Um, but Theros, for for the audience, is basically Wizards owns, I've talked about this before, uh, Magic the Gathering, which is like a cardboard playing game. Um, and they created this setting because they basically released their cards and blocks called Theros, or Adventures into Theros. And because Wizards owns both Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons... There's a um, lot of crossover. Yeah, enough people were interested in like the Theros setting, which is basically just like an ancient Greece knockoff kind of deal, yeah. uh, that they decided to give it its own source book. Um, and I didn't know that Theros was a place before I created Ancient Greece um, in the settings. So then they ended up actually going to Theros, and I just kind of retconned a lot of what happened with like Ancient Greece related things. Um, but yeah, that's that's where that started. Then we had another person who was a wizard. Um, uh, oh, what the fuck was he? You remember what his subclass was? <laughs> Not a fucking clue. A he bitch. hated us. Yeah, I can't remember what. Character-wise. Ephon. Ephon was his name. Oh, Shout out to yeah, Spencer. I knew his name. I don't remember what subclass of wizard he was, but he was a wizard. Um, I feel like just the most like classic wizardy. Yeah, like he had all the utility spells, all the ridiculously high arcana checks. Um, he was kind of like a bookworm, like a scholar, so he like knew how to read and speak a bunch of languages and like had a bunch of spells to identify things. Um, and so his intro happened in this, like, cursed land of sand, basically this giant rock in the middle of nowhere that's been turned into, like, um, oh, what's the fucking, it's a Star Wars thing. Uh, Sarlacc. Yeah, yeah kind of like that area. Well, what's what's the place where Jabba the Hutt's at? Uh, Tatooine? Yeah, like, it's more of, like, a Tatooine place. Okay. Yeah, like, in, like, a seedy underground kind of thing. Um, and him and, like, his, his pal, his partner go there to, like, solve a curse or to, like, investigate the place because everyone says it's cursed. Um, and then it just kind of devolved into there. His friend ended up getting sucked into hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, there was a whole lot of behind the scenes going on with that. And I was just trying to plug in a bunch of stuff. Uh, and that, the idea behind that was I kind of wanted to roll in hell like a little bit. Cause it was, the idea behind the plot was that there were a bunch of like deities and, and gods and goddesses, uh, and basically just beings of the divine nature that were all very interested in the broader story. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how to connect Ephon to that story. Um, and so that was, it was a pretty fun thing too. Like he managed to roll really well and, um, played his intro super good. Like I said, Brown was just a half orc. Uh, so we, we yeah. opened up with a war, uh, which is pretty cool. Like a lot of his family were dying and like brothers in war. And then he goes into this like forgotten, like abandoned dwarven's, um, basically like stronghold to chase down one of his brothers, uh, who's gone missing in like the heat of battle. And ends up watching him, like, run through a door. And so his immediate instinct is like, cool, like, I gotta go get him. And then runs yeah. through the same door. Um, and then, and then ends up... Nope! Yep, ends up in a tavern, um, along with everybody else. Ephon also ended up in a tavern. Magnolia also ended up in a tavern. Um, Shoeless, having vomited, but also the yeah. only one to land on their feet and not get knocked the fuck out Yeah, everyone it. else just kind of, like, kerplunked and went prone and a little unconscious. Um, and then Ragbad. Our Legolas elf, um, shout out to Sam. <laughs> I forgot how dumb Basically, that name was. he was just like, he was just there being a guy with the land, using the bow and arrow, and was like investigating this house that likes people and then almost going died missing immediately. And it was a very simple puzzle, uh, but a dear God, guy could not roll to save his <laughs> life, so he basically almost got crushed to death in this house. Um, came out of it mostly okay. 
ends up falling, whatever, whatever. And then also everybody got a magical item in their intro as well, yeah. uh, which was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun with that. Ifan got a book, uh, which ended up being, Jesus Christ, I didn't expect that book to be as central to the story. as the campaign. Yeah, the book was the campaign. Uh, Magnolia got her flower. Which, um, uh, remember that, also that comes back. Ended up being super big in the campaign. Yeah. Ragbad basically got like an arrow tip, like a, a magical arrow tip that he could then attach to like other arrows and use them to do things. He didn't use it all that fucking often, no. if I'm being perfectly honest with you. And it took him a while to figure out what it could be used for. Yeah. And part of that's my fault. I wanted to make it very like, uh, I don't know. I fancy myself as a, as a kind of twisty person. So I, I wanted it to be like, you're going to hear the word that I say in the next sentence and be like, holy shit, that thing you said from the first session, it all clicked in place. It didn't happen. It happened a few <laughs> times, but only because I like beat them over the head with it. And I was like, here's this thing that I put in the fucking first session. Connect the dots. And then they're like, oh, shit, that is how that works. That makes total sense. Yeah. So Which I've made so my I've made player. my hooks more obvious going forward. Um, it, at the time, I just I was expecting too much of a group of first players. So, pro tip for your DMs: don't make your hooks too confusing. Yeah, it's also one of those things that like you look like a fucking idiot if you start looking for it and it's not there, and you're like this one inconsequential thing you said in the first session, uh-huh. and then you like keep bringing it up, and then the DM's like, no, fucking nope. I, Mm-mm. Incorrect. no, <laughs> like. That's just a bank. Oh, it's like... um, It's just a guy. It's like Fantasy High with Gorgug and his father. Like, it never really became a consequential thing, (laughs) but it just became a bit. So it's like every time he met another another male person, he was like, are you my father? Are you my dad? It never played a significant role in the campaign, not once, but like, it continued to happen. I fully expected it to be like, (laughs) the bad guy is his dad. Yeah, or or something something. like that. And then, no, it was just like... A random... Yeah, those kinds of things just get turned into jokes. Like, yeah. for, real, for real. But yeah, that's... La- uh, the last one shot we played this weekend, I originally it was supposed to be a thing where my character was asking people if they were religious, and then people found that extremely funny, and then it, it was just like, cool, I guess I've committed to this bit of asking every single person if, if they're, they're religious. religious. Not like Not a single person answered yes. No, which in well, the world of D&D, baffling. Took place in the city of Waterdeep. Which is like basically Gotham, but five uh, E. So everyone's pretty much seen the horrible, fucked up things, and so there can't be a god or gods plural. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just I mean, not. But there are. That's <laughs> there the are. Thing that gets me. Yeah, it's there literally like, are. This is a world <laughs> in which gods very much exist. This is not like me going up to people on the street being like, "Are you?" Religious? And she was a paladin too, so like her powers had to come from. Like, I was a, a deity. I was a paladin. Angel, like ASMR, yeah. but she was flavored to look exactly like a cartoon angel. Yeah. And it's like this that very clearly holy person. There's like ethereal music playing and she's got giant wings. She's like, are you religious? And they're like, nah, there is no God. <laughs> and it's like, what? Yep, yep. But, um, oh, Brian, uh, our half-orc, got the location that he's running through ended up being one of the first major um, combat encounters they had. Which was really cool, and then his magical item ended up being like, um, oh, it kind of like, like a, a kind of like a suit sort of yeah. deal. Like he he ripped off a piece of like a magical, basically a magical portal, trying to get to his his brother, and came to life, latched onto him, basically like bit him. It reduced his movement speed, but it increased his AC and gave him a bunch of other benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the idea that like it was like the door came to life and it was parasitic and what whatever. Um, I gave everybody a different piece of the puzzle to open the same door, and then it just didn't happen that way. So, anyways, um, the magical item notes from this and some of these interactions (laughs) that I wrote down are funny as fuck. The magical item that I gave um, Simeon, our our bard, sea elf, basically was just like a holy loot uh, that my man's could just play whenever he wanted to, and also was like naturally a light all the time so i just gave them like a permanent torch and then it's like secondary function was being able to like identify um like deity kind of like areas or locations or like figure out like kind of point in the direction of something that's holy or unholy uh so kind of just like a a divine metal detector um and then that was my plot device because i was i had a a very long thought which was going to be like the loot was going to be instrumental to um like healing something and it kind of did but then he bailed um just because life got too busy for him so that just ended up getting thrown away it was actually supposed to be a really big thing and it turned out to be nothing 
Um, <laughs> so much of that campaign went that way, though. A lot of, yeah, not the first semester, but the second semester. People were just dropping like fucking flies, man. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how all the character intros went. They all were in a different place, um, and they all got to the same tavern, basically, like, kind of summoned there in a way. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's this idea that your goal as a DM should be to get your party to, like, party. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, to get along. Do they all meet at the same time? Do they know each other before? Do they have the same mutual interest? I have never seen a more dysfunctional <laughs> and disinterested group of PCs in my <laughs> life. None of them wanted to be there. None of them had interest in working together. No. They all just wanted to go the fuck home. And that's all their motivation. Not even in like a way of like, guys, let's work together so we can get the fuck out of here. It was like, it was act. I fought every single member of the party. They were literally forced together with divine intervention. It was PvP at all. It was. And divine intervention was the only thing that kept them together because I kept forcing them together. They people kept trying to leave. <laughs> yep, it and was... they just it it wouldn't work. It didn't happen because I was like, you can't keep running away from this. God, it was bad. Yeah, um, I don't even have a pro tip for that. Like, I don't know <laughs> how to fix that. Uh, and, and it didn't get better. No, it never improved um, until the second semester because then we yeah. had some like people that were nice and kind. Yeah, well, uh, that's what and, happens. Like, trauma when... bonded. When, oh, yeah, Never happened in the first semester, so though. Real. Everyone was just like, well, if he's going to walk through the door and he's got a piece that I need, I guess I'm going through the door, too. Yeah. It was never like, oh, yeah, I like him as a person now. We're going to hang out and like solve the puzzle together. Yeah. Volume two, we grew to like each other. In a, in a, most, most of us grew to like each Volume other. Volume one like was basically just the first 30 minutes of the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, only they <laughs> never get better. Yeah. It's just them trying to kidnap each other and shoot one another yeah. and, like, achieve the same like, goal, but through really ass-backwards ways. Like, there was healing each other, but it was, like, not good. Like, yeah. I remember this specific instance where my character got shot by a dwarven ballista <laughs> and was harpooned into the wall several feet off the ground at zero hit points. I was dying, and I was like, I had a fucking javelin through my chest. Um, and they were like, and, eh, she'll be okay. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, can anyone come over and help me? And everyone was like... You'll be fine, yeah, right? And I was somebody... like, I'm on death saving throws. We eventually got one of the, it was fucking rag bad, that it goddamn asshole. Who had zero interest elf. in doing anything for anybody. Who, I came over and one of the, the, the fucking bard had like done healing words. So I was no longer like dying. And then got but I was still KO'd stuck. By a yeah, spider. immediately got KO'd. But still stuck in the wall, and I had, like, a, once again, I had several negatives, and I had a significant negative to strength, so I was like, there's no way I'm getting off the wall. Mm-hmm. And he came over, and he was like, oh, well, you're, like, alive again, so I'm gonna go. And I went, no, I could, <laughs> I could use the help. And this motherfucker legitimately wasted a real-life turn walking over and then walking the fuck away <laughs> to avoid <laughs> helping me. And I think about that so often because what the fuck? Truly, what the fuck was that? Like, there's there was no character growth there. And it stayed that way until yeah. the end of the campaign. Uh, until the end of that character in particular. His second character was a lot better. Um, kind of. Was he? Yeah. I mean, like, to an extent... Did All he ever his... have a character change? No. In episode he, two? He dived into a portal of hell. Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Was that his last? Yeah, that was his last action. No, I mean, did Sam continue to play with us after that, or was that his last session? No, he played. Uh, Who did he Calip- switch to? The vampire. Oh yeah, how do I forget <laughs> about the favorite. sexy vampire? That fucking character was hilarious. We'll talk about episode or about um, a fucking. I don't know. What have you been calling it? Something two. Volume two. We'll talk about volume two in a different episode. But yeah, he. 
Sam makes fucking so interesting characters. Like, they're either, <laughs> like, drop-dead boring or they're fucking hilarious. And, and there's, there's not an in-between. And I, he in between. I don't think he has control over it. No, they're just two different versions of Sam. One where he's vested and one where he's not vested. And it just depends on kind of what character and what personality you're getting that day. Um... So yeah, but I mean, he's he's fun to watch play too, though, because he's mm. he's hilarious. Yeah, uh, he says the funniest shit at the table. Um, I was about to say I would like to like scroll down, and this is one of the things I have written in my notes from the like the second session because I take obsessive notes. Oh, yeah, she's the note taker. Um, she's the note taker to like uh, the max. I have notes. three to four page notes for every single session. Um, more I just, than I do. I don't I even just... have notes. <laughs> I just started putting notes for the campaign that we've that I've been running for I like take such two months. Incredibly detailed. Robert will ask me character names because mm-hmm. um, I don't remember who the fuck and like I don't locations what name I gave and them. details because I remember them obsessively. But um, there was this period where they'd all gotten in and there were all little doors that popped up mm-hmm. that were clear to each person. Um, and that's where we got our magical items. And yeah. everyone decided to go through this one door. And the big thing with the doors is that once you go in them, you can't get back out. Like, you've got no control over the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all go into this one door, and then the door, start, and the door disappears, and they're all just stuck in a room. And it was like everyone in the party except for my character, because I said, I don't know you all. And this was also me as a player not working with the team. I don't know you all. I'm not going in a room with you all. That yeah. if I don't know you, Magnolia um, was so fucking obstinate in the first the first <laughs> half of this. Like it truly was pulling teeth to try and get the character to interact with another character. I recognize that, um, but I've grown. You have grown. I've grown she a lot. She ended up being. She grew a lot. She like ended up the glue in, yeah. in the second iteration, which, uh, you which know, sometimes unwillingly. A lot of growth. Yeah, the first one it was there. like I'm not trust. I don't trust anybody. And these and are untrustworthy people. And then you gave me trauma to not yeah. trust anyone. So no, you just so fed into that. Well, I didn't expect your character to be uh, as obstinate and untrustworthy as she was. So I had already planned that trauma in advance. And oh, then... so it just got worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I could have unwritten those plot points, but, like, they, they were tied to so many other things that I was like, I just kind of have to go through with it. And it yeah. was this Which character we'll that was learning that. to trust people, and then I just took it all away, like, multiple <laughs> times. Like, it kept happening. Like, repeated. And we'll get into that when yeah. we talk about Volume 2. Volume 2 as well. Um, so they're all stuck in this room. They're all trying to figure out how to get out, and their fix for it was, hey, magic. So let's all hold hands and chant the word door over and over and over. And it worked. Um, it didn't work. I was on the outside and I rolled combined really, effort. really well. Combined effort. To create a door. And this is like the one thing I've written down under like Ragbad's character and like an example of an interaction between the two. And it was um they're chanting the word door, holding hands, and Magnolia just walks up, creates a door, opens it, and goes, Hello. And it says that it was like Ragbad was just saying there and goes, Hey. <laughs> As he's holding hands. <laughs> With these people oh and they're chanting God. the word door. And she's just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, so that was... <laughs> it was a it was a lot, man. It was... It was bad. Yeah, it was. Um, it was also like unnecessarily convoluted behind the scenes. Um, dear God, there were so many plot points that like you all never touched or got a hold of or put together. Yeah. Like... And the more we talk about it, the more like it sounds like we just hate volume one. I didn't hate it. It was a lot of fun. It was just, it was new for all of us. And so a yeah. lot of our decisions, both as player and DM, were just like first time things that you probably would never do in a kind like in another campaign. Yeah. Like, I would never play a character <clears throat> that edgy again. And I know I continued to play her for a year, but she had growth. Well, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, this basically just female Batman, but there's kind of an equivalent with like Catwoman. And Catwoman is also the same, like, never going to trust a person. We're friends. Psych, bitch. I've robbed you. Yeah. Deuces. She was that. She was actively, like, harming other members of the party. Yep. She got into a physical altercation with yeah. every single member of the, the party. Every the every person for themselves thing gets old very quickly. But it was you need everyone in the cooperate. party was like that. <laughs> so it was just worse. It was just I mean, Simeon wasn't. Simeon, Simeon was like, wasn't. hey, guys, let's be friends. Yeah. I'm like a cool beach bro. And everyone else was like, get <laughs> fucked. I'm glad that you're happy. Actually, no, I hate that you're happy. I'm unhappy. Yeah. Let me go home. And, like, 
and looking at them and and like, Ephon was just excited to be there as like a, a, a scholar. He was like, yeah. "This is so fun to figure so out like, and learn." Two people were excited to be there, and I, three were not. And three were not. Two of those three actively hated each other. Yeah, one uh, guy was, "I want to go home because I just left in the middle of a war." The other one guy was just like, "I don't really vibe with this setting. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. This is really unimportant to me as a person, and I have no interest." And then you were just like. I don't, what, what is happening? I was what honestly, I was like, on? I kind of fuck with the location, but I don't fuck with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, a location where you can reinvent yourself and go anywhere, any of the yeah, time. Yeah, and I was like, that's my dream come true. That's literally exactly what this character wants. Yeah. Um, uh, however, these bitches are not. So uh, the vibes were rancid. To get into a little bit of the plot, or at least the the, um, the setup, uh, I had just played. Uh, the uh, the God of War remake um, loved it I, like played it start to finish I've platinumed it on PlayStation like I have all the trophies I've played it on the hardest difficulty I spent twelve hours on a boss fight like I love that game I love the game that came after it uh, and I've always liked mythology hence why there were multiple mythologies present in the campaign uh, uh, ancient Norse being one of them and then of course ancient Greece which I just mm-hmm. fucking retconned uh, once Apollo showed up I was just like cool he's gone now. I loved, and, and this is jumping forward, in volume two during one of our big fights, mm. um, Apollo was there, and then also Helioid was there. Because I was is, like, how do which I... Which is the Theros equivalent of Apollo. It is. So it was, it yeah, was like... Yeah, it's like it... Zeus and Apollo had a child, because it's the... Helioid is like, I believe that I'm the best and the strongest and should have, like, dominion over everything. So his powers are light based. So it's like everything that touches the light. Buh, 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 buh. But then, like he's also got the Zeus complex, and where it's like I'm better than all of you. Yeah, it was the minus the rape of, like, and incest, and if like Zeus and Jupiter were like in the same room. Yeah, it was like... uh, it was a lot, but yeah, I I had to tie that off because I was like, <sighs> David had to bounce because of personal things, and so the character of Simeon, who actually played a huge fucking story role with everything, yeah, um, just. Fucking poofed out of existence. Yeah, canonically, uh, I and I, we had I a, killed him a little. We had a really cool fucking like pre session because I had a pre session with everybody to talk about whether or not they wanted to play the same characters or not. And I had a really cool pre session with him, and I and he basically went on like a spiritual journey where like he picked up powers from like Hindu religion and like different religions like across time, very traditional to like Earth. Nothing super crazy outside of that, but like. It was gonna be really cool, and then it just fucking wasn't because maybe had a bounce. So I was like, yeah. "How do I, how do I pull on him?" Really, what happened was my players were getting their asses kicked uh, by too many enemies and one that was really big and really powerful. And I was like, "This is an appropriate time to bring in David's character for like one last hurrah." And I yeah. was like, "You know how we're gonna intervene? Apollo, the like the physical version is just gonna show up and like one v one mini Tiamat." Which is yeah. exactly what happened. And it was sick as fuck. <laughs> it was I'm not really gonna sick. Act like it wasn't sick as fuck. And it was the exact boost that they needed to like kind of win that individual fight. Which but anyway, kind of sucked because no one in that part. I'm getting too far into yeah, volume I know, two. I know. Um, but that's gonna rain it back in. So mind. I had this idea that I wanted it to be like involve a lot of different mythologies, and I also wanted it to be kind of multiverse. And you guys have already heard a little bit about like how they all came from different places and none of them wanted to fucking work together because, like, they basically all got kidnapped from their homes and then all wanted to go back. And so it was kind except of like... Me. Yeah, except for her. She was the only person that was like, you know, I'm actually cool with being here. Like, you all can go and I'll stay. Except she also yeah. ended up being a really, like, I required piece to progress the story, uh, which was also, like, me going, hey, you can't just fuck off and drink and meet new people. You have to participate. Yeah, so, participate. Then, I, so then I was given a power that Robert regretted immediately. Yeah. I ended up taking it away uh, for a very long time. You <laughs> never gave it back! In volume two. <laughs> I never got it back, deadass! <laughs> I, I never got it back! I stole it. I was it. told that I could keep rolling and it would get better, and it never did! Nope, I stole it fully. Anyways, um, so it revolved around it revolved around like the World Tree, uh, or it's also called the Idrisil in Norse mythology. Uh, which, for those that are unfamiliar, it's basically like a tree that that um, spans the nine. The nine being the nine traditional realms in um, in Norse mythology. I don't remember them all. I remember a few: Svartalheim, Niflheim, Muswellheim. <laughs> um, and then there's Midgard, which is like traditional Earth. Earth. And then there are the other fucking five of them that I don't remember and don't care to remember. Don't matter. Helheim, places like that. Like Fuck they're all em. just like land of the elves, land of the dead, land of the giants, land of the like. It's just they're all different places. Anyways, 
Um, the, the background for this, or the setup, was basically that, like, this place called the World Serpent's Inn, um, its ability to jump to different places mm-hmm. stemmed directly from its connection with the Idrisil, which has been ripped out of its, like, home, like, location, and stuck in a place in between, and then the Serpent's Inn itself was constructed to be, like, a vehicle to then drive the roots, like, to yes. go to different realms. Um, except for a lot of fucked up things happen in like the backstory and the preamble to it where like a spell went wrong. No one expected the giant snake to protest. Like it was all, yeah. it all went bad. And Which so instead of, <laughs> we did not know any of this. Yeah. Instead of having like, um, full control over the vehicle that you've just spent literally years of your life making, somebody basically threw a wrench in the engine and was like, peace motherfucker. <laughs> And then, is, I, I and then your own so spell much. proceeds to blow his brains out, and you're like, "Cool, well he's gone now." <laughs> <laughs> and that was the way that that, that lined campaign. up with my character ended up being so fucking perfect. Yeah, and then it all worked out very well. But the idea was that um, the Jormungandr, who's also like another Greek myth, uh, not Greek, sorry, Greek. Norse character, um, who has like basically is long enough in mythology and big enough to swallow the world whole and is like yeah. is destined to fight Thor and Ragnarok and blah, 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 End blah, blah, blah. End of the world shit. Yeah, I mean, he's called the world serpent. He's traditionally seen as a kind of like an evil or kind of like chaotic neutral character because like he's destined to eat so the world. He's also a world. child of Loki because Loki also has a bunch of other children. And Loki be fucking. And Loki to be fucking. Loki <laughs> turned into a horse and it took back shots from a man. Like, it's really fucking interesting when you read all of the things Loki did. <laughs> In Norse mythology, that's not the version I roll with. I wish you all could have seen his face as he said that. That was the most serious thing I've ever yeah. seen this man deliver in his life. So all this super convoluted, complicated, like all these different concepts basically turn into one kind of solid idea. And that was that Loki, being the trickster god he is, essentially fell in love with a, like a mortal brought uh, brought them back to like um, Ragnarok the way it's supposed to happen is it's a cycle and all the characters are always reborn and they're destined like it's basically destined to happen every time everything goes bad all the gods get killed they forget everything the first human is born again from the tree and then all the gods start to pop up again and they don't they can't remember anything um, and I really like the idea of maybe somebody like being able to break the cycle and of course who fits that better than the person that like is tricky and mischievous um, so Loki has a kid named Jormungandr, and then Jormungandr has, like, the ability to essentially speak a language that only he can speak, and that allows him to, like, travel between different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took, like, that world serpent concept and, like, really elevated it. Um, and so Loki you essentially... mythology. Yeah, yeah. I, sorry. I am the guy that elevated mythology. <laughs> I made it cooler and bigger than it was. So Loki, being like the adventurous, mischievous god he is, um, essentially starts to speak that same language as his son and uses it to travel to different places, falls in love with this woman in Fairhaven, brings her back, and then doesn't realize because he forgets that there's a cycle. Um, so that cycle goes off, Ragnarok happens, he dies, Jormungandr dies, Odin dies, the whole like Norse mythol, like the whole Norse tree dies, but so does she. So then he comes back and he starts to remember things because she wasn't a part of the cycle. And so his immediate response is to be like, cool, let's speed up this process. Let's teach my son how to speak the language quicker and let's go back and find like basically my wife. Yeah. And then he realizes very quickly the mistake he's made, which is he brought somebody that wasn't a god that had the ability to be reborn into a cycle that kills things. Like she was just an elf. Yeah, she was just an elf that he like fell in love with and brought back. A dude. So then he realizes... Well, I've lost my wife, and I basically made the mistake that killed her, so now I'm going to do everything humanly and godly possible to try and go back in time and bring, like, basically save her. Stop him from making that mistake. Pulling a Mr. Freeze. Yeah, essentially. Like, it's the whole, like, time traveler's dilemma, that that whole thing. So his immediate, immediate, like, thought process then is like, okay, how do I bully my son into allowing me to, like, do the time travel part of this, too? And his son, being, like, a good neutral character, Jormungandr goes... I can, like, I can go back in time or forward. You cannot. Like, you will fuck everything up. That's just who you are as a person, father. (laughs) So, sorry. You're shit. I love you a lot. Not going to let that happen. So he goes, you know what? Fucking bet, dude. Uh, And basically (laughs) starts traveling the multiverse, finding, looking for incredibly powerful sorcerers, like, uh, deities, gods, anybody that has a vested interest in being able to travel the multiverse, because, like, who the fuck wouldn't? Yeah. Um, and is like, I'm going to use all of your power for one big spell and basically rip the tree, which is what Jormungandr uses to travel, rip the tree uh, out of all the nine, and then I'm going to bind my son to, a, like, a place in between, 
drive the tree through my kid, uh, so that way it's basically just a fucking spaceship in the multiverse powered yeah, with an infinite I'm engine. Making an elevator. And then I'm gonna drive it manually by going into his brain. Yeah, uh, it and was making a, a house. <laughs> I can't tell you how I came up with this really convoluted <laughs> story. I think I just kind of made it up on the go because now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds fucking insane. And a lot of this backstory I didn't come with. I didn't come up with until I had already made the end. So then I just started plugging in pieces. But that's everything that happens previous to um, the like, campaign starting. Yeah, previous to the campaign starting. And then there are a lot of characters that are in there, um, like the the people like Freya who married um who married loki and his wife like there's a ring that they find that's kind of like keloy too and then i can't remember what the fuck her name was Tyrion. yeah Tyrion. um and like that was their first indication that like there was Which something we found at the end of that campaign and we had this had ring. nothing had no fucking clue what it could have meant they were just like oh sick and then ragbag picks it up and it's like you know i'm gonna pocket this yeah and then the character fucks off um and then i was like well i'm just gonna say that he didn't take the ring you have it. <laughs> yeah, because I was the only fucking person that that could have known or like put yeah. anything together. So now that I've told you this incredibly around. convoluted backstory that has an absolutely nothing to do with Norse mythology outside of three characters, which yeah. roughly are three concepts, which is a tree that can span realms, uh, a, a serpent, a snake. Sorry, a serpent that can speak a language that allows him to travel realms, and a really jaded Loki, which he always is, but this yeah. one was a little extra jaded. Yeah. So he gets all these people together, and he's like, listen, I'm gonna need all of you to basically, like, recite the same spell from different points in the multiverse to, to bind my son and the tree in the same location. I'm gonna make a house, basically an elevator, that can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go, because that was the important piece, time. Um, and then we all just get to use it, like, as partners in the system. Like, yeah. if you help me make it, like, if you're a shareholder in the system, I'll give you a door, and that door will take you to the Serpent's End, and then you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Go cause yeah. multiversal chaos. Yeah. Um, he just handed it out willy-nilly to anybody <laughs> that had basically, like, an ounce of power that was going to help him. like, you want a key? Sure. Yeah, that ass. Like, you're going to give me your power for 30 seconds, and then we're all going to be rich beyond our wildest dreams. You can yeah. get whatever you want. Um, so he starts to spell... And then Jormungandr, being intelligent, is like, you know, something's a little suspicious about this. I don't really trust him not to fuck around and do something. Yeah. So then, canonically, what happens is he essentially starts making plans and fucking up several people's lives to <laughs> essentially get them to do what he needs them to do to break him out of this. Yeah. So he, like, purposely sabotages Magnolia's life. He purposely <laughs> sabotages Ragmad's life and Ephon's and Breon's. Like, he essentially opens doors and portals to places that they shouldn't be open so that they become, like, inex like basically tied to him. Yeah. And their only way out of this fucked up loop is to essentially help him break free of the spell that his, like, son Loki binds him in. Yeah. Um, and part of the way that he does that is he essentially cuts out his own heart and then sends it to be bound in um, a descendant of Tyrion, his love interest, because thought process is he'll, he's going to search everywhere for it, but he's not going to look at, like, his... I don't know, like, fucking granddaughter three times removed. Like, yeah. great, 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 great granddaughter. Like, surely he's not going to look there. Yeah. And he doesn't for a very long time. <laughs> um, Until someone starts causing problems. Mm -hmm. Until that the particular granddaughter, along with the other several, like, mischievous party members, end up starting, like, some real multiversal chaos. And that's basically just a flare being like, hey, look at me. <laughs> I can do things that you then, want you to know, be able to do. The granddaughter shows up with papers <laughs> confirming her yeah, identity. Yeah, confirming her identity. And then he ended up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was, like, the bartender the whole time, too. He basically, yeah. like, consumed the bartender's identity. So remember and the whole on. thing we said about, like, my character being like jaded and not trusting anyone because she, like, she was a jaded motherfucker and like she'd had her heart broken a million times because she was always dating around and blah 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 mm -hmm. and so she didn't trust anyone and then uh we introduced oops shapeshifter everyone that you thought was your friend could was, definitely not have been your friend. was actually <laughs> the bad guy the mm -hmm. whole time and no one's ever liked you yeah uh so that was a fun discovery. Yeah, the the twist was basically that in an attempt to, like, Loki goes crazy um, because uh, I, I liked, I wanted to play more on the idea of, like, they're supposed to die in Ragnarok. Like, there's a reason why they get reset, and it's like that they're, their bodies and their brains, while godly, can't handle that many, like, that much time worth of information. Yeah. Um, so what ends up happening is, like, basically they're at the very end, 
Um, he's going insane. He's got his plan together. Like I mentioned, Jormungandr sabotaged it last second. He's like, cool, you're going to kill me. I'm going to kill me first. <laughs> um, and basically, yeah, I mean, just kind of beats him to the punch. Um, so everything goes off without a hitch with the exception of the heart, which is the one thing he needed to basically be able to go back in time. Um, so then Loki goes nuts. He's like, well, I, I can't handle this. I just spent centuries of my life putting this plan together to like see my wife. Um, I've, I can't do anything anymore. And basically just goes into like safe mode. Um, and his brain just fully shatters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, kind of the idea behind the character's power in particular was that Loki's a shapeshifter. Um, and so I took that to the extreme. I was like, how do we then turn that into a gameplay element? Essentially, any creature, any being, um, I mean, literally anything, anything that he had ever seen that was living, he could then shapeshift into. The issue was, is his brain is very much like a library, and it was at capacity. So when he started to go crazy because he wasn't dying, all of those personalities, all of those beings started to fracture, and you never knew who he was going to be in the next, like, instant you saw him. Yeah. Um, so he essentially goes into, like, a hibernation mode and ends up taking over the personality of a bartender and basically bartends the serpents in for, I, I've never figured out, like, I never came up with a specific number. I was assuming eons. And untold, yeah, basically eons. Like, he sits there at the World Serpent's Inn. It's fucked up. You can't choose where the doors go. You can't choose the time of the doors either. Um, but he just sits there and he waits and his brain waits basically in like a safety mode trying to piece himself back together until our protagonists from now we finally catch up to like the first campaign. Our protagonists finally show up with like the keys to the door. Yeah. Um, is essentially what he needs is he needs all of the pieces that Jormungandr has through fucking up their lives given them to basically free him. Like the same yeah. pieces that would be required to free Jormungandr are the same pieces that Loki or Keloy would need to then lock him fully up. Yeah. Um, and so they walk right into it. And Magnolia, who's the most consequential piece to the whole thing, uh, very if you haven't picked up on quickly uh, befriends she's the, the bartender. Heart. She had the heart. Yeah, she was the heart. She was, was physically the heart of the circle. Jormungandr killed her when she was a fucking baby. And then brought her back to life. And brought her back to life, which is, yes. Fucked up. Fucked up. Yeah, this whole campaign was fucked up. It was, but I also loved at the table getting to ask the question. Wait, so does did so did Jormungandr did Jormungandr kill a baby? Yeah, and no, then fully Robert getting to go, uh, yeah, yeah, technically, yeah, he did, yeah, um, basically, and then it like it's almost like a curse, like um, like Voldemort, but it actually worked, you know, yeah. instead of it being like a lightning scar, it's like no, kid fully got murked, um, and then got <laughs> brought got back to murdered. life with like yeah, the heart of a heart of a world servant, heart of a god. Um, and so, like, this is his moment. Like, he's like, fuck yeah. Like, the pieces have just fallen directly into my lap. Yeah. Um, and he didn't really play, like, a super consequential part to the campaign at all until the second half. Like, no, he wasn't... because we were all... He was never present. They never put the pieces together. I never really gave them enough leads to, like, really put it together. Like, it would have been a leap for one of them to go, I think there's one individual behind <laughs> everything that's happened. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone had just came out swinging with that. I mean, Spencer got pretty fucking close there at the end. Yeah. The um, closest they got, yeah. th- that we got to kind of like figuring everything out was um, we, there was a part in the campaign where we had gone down and we were like walking through Jormungandr. Yeah, and I like kept making body. some interesting checks with the flower that I had, mm-hmm. um, which was, we come to learn like another like portion of the heart of mm-hmm. Jormungandr. It kind of got split into like two parts because turns out that she was a bastard and she was born into flower shop and blah 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 so yeah, yeah there was a whole lot of fucked up backstory with that yeah robert made it so she canonically fucked her half brother uh which was not a necessary portion that we needed no go ahead laugh into the <laughs> mic I that was just a fuck you to me as a person to be like haha i'm putting that on you now i didn't like intended to be a fuck you as a person it just lined up with the story and then I realized that the implication of that story point was that you would fuck your half brother. And I said that at I the didn't table, do and you it were like, "Intentionally, nah." <laughs> like, oh wait, yes. Technically, yes, that is um, what happened. But that's besides the point. Yeah, that's um, in the second half. 
but they were in the snake and I was making some interesting checks because mm. I still had, I finally got rid of my negative to Arcana and I was just I also had even. zero um, like preservation of life skills. No, those didn't exist. Nope. So I was just like, can I vibe check the ground? And he was like, what does that mean? And I went like, I don't know, just touch the I ground. I want to touch the ground. And like see what it's feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such an interesting thing. Which it worked. And we're then in the a flower... dead snake, and she goes, "I want to touch the ground. <laughs> what does the ground feel like? But like, not feel as in like the material, like cold. Like, what is it feeling right now? Which doesn't make any fucking sense. It's <laughs> dead. Um, which I mean, it did make sense, but I didn't think she was gonna go. Let me just vibe check the fucking floor. It was the right move. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. Uh, but that's when they basically learn through Magnolia's flower, then beginning to grow through her body mm-hmm. uh, and root into the snake. Her. <laughs> uh, and try to kill her and be like, mm-hmm. oh, you're home. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, no, the fuck I'm no, not. I'm, not. Um, I'm from that's, Elfland. That's when she learns that she's, um, in the words of the flower, because someone had talked to plants and it just worked out clutch. Uh, I could have fucking punched Sam in that moment when he goes... <laughs> Yeah, I want to use talk to plants on the flower. And I go, what do you mean you want to use talk to plants? Yeah, I have talk to plants. Like, I can just speak to a plant. (laughs) Sure. Sure, you can do that. Sure. Why the Uh, fuck not? And so then we learn. Shit uh, was infuriating. Well, the flower says, no, she was never born. She's not real. Mm -hmm. Um. And Which that's obviously where they breeds kind of an learn. existential crisis for Magnolia because she's, yeah, like, she's like, I definitely remember having a childhood. <laughs> My mom <laughs> says I was born. She's like sobbing. Someone like taps her on the shoulder and she immediately hits him. It was yeah. like a crisis. Um, but I traumatized she... Magnolia. Which... So many times. Yeah. For what? Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, but she kind of learns, or at least gets a, a very large hint that mm-hmm. she has the soul. It's not what it seems. That, yeah. There's and a little it, more than meets the eye. Yeah, and everyone in the party is just kind of looking at her like, that was fucked up anyway, and yeah. then immediately <laughs> move on. Yep. She's like, hey, guys, I could have died in that moment also. I think I spoke to a spiritual snake that said it's my father, but, like, also not. And they were like, that's interesting, I guess. Let's keep walking. Yeah, there was no... Yep. No one took the time to be like, wow, that is really odd. I wonder if that's connected to the rest of us that also have all these random magical artifacts that kind of line up. That are all snake themed. That are all fucking snake themed. That are all snake themed. They, they, they never tried like like putting them together. They never tried like tapping them to one another. They're just like, yeah, this is my magical artifact that I guess it's just like cool to use. Because, I mean, I did. I wanted it to be more than, like, here's a piece of the puzzle that you're going to keep on your person and is not functional. Like, the flower allowed her to teleport. Um, Brayon's bracer gave him a bonus to AC and a bonus to strength. Ragbed's, like, tooth basically allowed him to poison enemies and, like, always track something because that's a fun ranger thing. Which I don't think he ever used. Um, Yvonne was, his book, his book allowed, gave him spells. So his book gave him spells. Um, so the way that I rolled... Every one of these magical items had, like, an actual backstory. So the tooth that Ragbad uses is actually a chip of the tooth off of the world serpent. Basically, mm-hmm. what it touches can't, like, it, it can be found. It can be tracked anywhere. Um, it has, like, kind of, like, yeah, like, it, it's, it's like a multiverse tracker. Um, and, it's of course, an Magnolia's tag. flower. It an yeah, it's an air tag. tag. And then, of course, Magnolia's flower is, like, half of the serpent's heart, but also allows her to teleport. And it was also, like, a sprig of the world's tree. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. was just fucking walking through this bitch, like. Yeah. It yeah, could do whatever she wanted. Mm-hmm. And then Brayon's like bracer was basically like a piece of a really important door that was basically like the back entrance, if you will. Um, and so it was kind of like an innate part of uh, like the serpent itself and like kind of like a scale almost. And then Ephon had a book and the book um, like mechanically gave him extra spells. So over time, um, during like free time, I would allow him to essentially read it. And then if he passed a check, I would give him another spell. Uh, so the way that I had, like, done it is that there have been wizards and, like, different magical beings throughout history that have compiled notes on Jormungandr's language. It's a dead language. Nobody's ever spoken it with the exception of two people. And that that's Ephon, not Ephon. That's Jormungandr, and that's Loki. Um, but there are, like, runes that Jormungandr leaves around. I mean, he basically, like, scattered himself, like, little, like, breadcrumbs, to, to, hoping that somebody eventually would figure out what was happening. And it just so happens that there's a particular breed of person, they're called scholars, uh, that like to put <laughs> things together. 
And so what I gave him is basically a book that people have been, like the uh, sorcerers, wizards, warlocks before him had basically taken notes from different languages uh, trying to figure out how to speak the language of Jormungandr, like figuring out what's up with these doors and all these different, like, you know, like multiverses and different locations. Um, and kind of the backstory behind that was that Jormungandr, every time, like, the book would get left by somebody, Jormungandr would then go back in time fuck with something so that the book would then get to the next person that he needed it to get to. Yeah. And that um, book, he was kind of like scrying back. the future to figure out like who he needed to be where to give himself the best chance to like get out of jail. Um, and it ended up in Ephon's hands and Ephon ended up basically <laughs> dumping every possible moment of role play and of learning how to fucking read it. Really? Um, and like the book had a lot of answers. Like the book had a ridiculous amount of answers in it. Um, and so, it, it like, the book and the flower were easily the two most important pieces uh, for a while. Yeah. Because, um, like, one was, like, the semi, like, metaphysical manifest- manifestation of, like, the big key. And the other one was, like, how do I... The other one was, like, the book that tells you how to speak the language that's also a very important piece of the story. Um, Ephon, eventually, in the final session, puts it all together and then that's when his partner from, like, session one comes back and is like, you stole my destiny, motherfucker. Yeah, and immediately just goes... And then locks everybody out of a room and starts brainwashing Ephon and basically doing a modified, like, a, a different version of the modified memory spell and, and, and starts, like, implanting memories, trying to force him to think that they're still pals and, like, it, it was, was a whole fucked up thing. It was fucked. That combat encounter also... Crazy. Wild. Crazy combat it was, encounter. We eventually Nutty. all got in the room... And it was like a small room. It was like a 30 foot by 30 yeah. foot. And we immediately, I remember Robert got pissed because we like all had a spell to summon creatures and there were just bodies in that bitch. This was a tiny like 30 by 30 room. And these motherfuckers every two seconds would be like, yeah, so I'm going to summon a companion and it's actually large. Also, I'm going to summon a companion and this one's also large. Oh, and also, I have a companion from the spell I just got, and it's medium, but I get to make two of them, so basically fucking large. <laughs> and it's like, cool, now I gotta start adding pieces to the room, because you all can't physically move. Yeah, so then the room starts expanding, and yeah. they're all fighting, like and different, I remember... Different pieces of different rooms start slamming into, like, the central room that they're in, and... Yeah, and it was very scary, and I also went through my own, like, personal hell during Which, that And the way fight. that I role-played that behind the scenes, like, that was Jorman Gunder's direct, like, interference, basically trying to give you all more space to breathe to, like, survive the combat encounter, because, yeah. like... Ephon's partner specifically chose a location in a room that like was mostly stable and that was small so that he can control the fight. He was a, a chronomancer, so time magic. And I he had like the way that I done it, he had backup plan on backup plan on backup plan. <laughs> and then Jormungandr starts basically throwing rooms at the room that they're in and like giving them like a real chance to move and spread and do things. Um it was really cool. It was really fun. Yeah. Uh but it What ends... he didn't account for was getting his ass beat. Oh yeah, no, he got then... fucked up in the end. <laughs> He got really fucked up. <laughs> he was like, hey, bro, Ephon, I still love you. You stole my destiny. Like, the book is supposed to be mine, but, like, I'm going to make you think that we're friends and we're going to live happily ever after. And everyone else and then in the party And he proceeds to went, get fucking gangbanged by the party. And we said, we're not going to let that slide. <laughs> and we came in and we... Killed everything. Everything died. Everything got killed very quickly. And then, that of was course, also the fight where I couldn't stay in the room. And then as a wild, like a wild magic source where Madison's rolling on this table every 30 seconds and gets like some truly fucking insane, like pops into the ethereal plane. Also yeah. gets like 200 points of health. Like it just oh my, there, fucking that was, got wild. That I was, was like, cool, I have no way to kill her now. It was, it was the one where it's like you, t- you roll dice and you take that much damage from every creature within 30 feet of you and then you, and you gain, gain that. You gain that in temp health. Well, you have nine bodies mm-hmm. within 30 feet of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and my... In a very small room. My, like, fucking level 10, if that, character yeah. suddenly has... And got a little fucking 280 hit points. And then I had cast a blink, so I just... Blipped out with I just blipped out points. with that much hit with like that many hit points. And it was something where everyone at the table I think I've got a video of Robert crying and I can't remember if it was from like it was from that I've fight and video. I can't it's remember me putting my hand in my uh, putting my hand in my my head in my hands. I don't remember what it was from, but there were many moments in the campaign like that where I was just I I couldn't 
I couldn't fucking compute, dude. It was either that, and then I also, I, like, had four wild magic searches that fight, because I had that one, and then I did one where I went to the astral plane, so I had, like, a fucking timeout Mm -hmm. where I was talking to the snake, and then um, at the end, when we had killed the guy, Mm -hmm. and then he went, oh, there's one more backup plan, he's gonna pull out this little bead, which is the thing that chronomancy wizards can do. Yep, they can put spells into beads and then use those beads. And he did a polymorph, and... (laughs) It was, Robert said, I'm going to roll this D4 to figure out where this bead goes because Because he wanted it to like hit himself. Slapped its hand. And Ephon does a dexterity saving throw and basically fucking yeets it out of his hand. And I was like, well, it's going somewhere, dude. Uh, and it hit me. <laughs> and then I was a snake. <laughs> and I was the only bitch who could get us out of the room. <laughs> and the room starts collapsing. Yeah. And... What? Yeah, so <laughs> and quick. I kept trying to be like, can I tell them to kill me? And Robert was like, no. And I was like, cool. I think I'm just going to start attacking people then to hope that they'll hit me. And they weren't. They were just like, man, she's cranky today. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it's a fucking time. Dude. That might have been why you were on the ground with your like head in your hands. Yeah, hair. that might have been a moment, man. It was, it was a lot, but. Um, her flower, for reference, basically the way that I, I kind of done this mechanically and st- from a story uh, story perspective, being like the heart of the serpent, um, like the brain essentially just the way that I, I kind of like to see it was the brain gave the the room basically the ability to go places. Like it had that like innate ability to just travel, but it like without the heart, without a drive, without a want. Um, it could never really figure out like where it wanted to go. And so that's why the heart was so important because the heart was basically like the drive behind everything. Um, and so the flower, with the flower, basically what I allowed her to do was to act as the heart in that moment, open a door kind of where she wanted to go. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Um, basically like asking the serpent kind of like in an odd way, like, hey, homie, this is like your heart. Recognize that. Like, let's go somewhere that I want to go. And then like that was it. Um, and so that's kind of how that worked mechanically. Um, Which Robert immediately regretted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime we were anywhere, I could just say, what if we left? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So, and then we did. Yeah. I think we got to wrap it up. I think we're just about out of time. I mean, that ends pretty much where campaign one's at. Um, yeah. I'll talk about, like, Ephon's fate and some of the things that happen behind the scenes there. Which um, I'm so excited to finally hear as a player, because we didn't get yeah, to Yeah, and to I told to Spencer specifically not to tell to any anybody about it, so. And I tried to bribe him. Yeah, I told Spencer. I sent everybody out of the room and had an individual conversation with him, where it was basically him one-on-one with the serpent, and I was like, this is, like, what, what happens here never leaves this room. This is a me and you thing, buddy. And he loved that. He loved the shit out of that. And so, like, he only knows to this day what happened. Maybe I'll talk about it next episode. Maybe I won't. Thanks no! for tuning in to another episode of Table Talk. We will see you next time. I don't know what it's going to be, but we'll we'll talk. Bye! <laughs>